0: What's up, Pit fans? Welcome back to another Pit Mailbag here on the Post-Gazette Sports Down YouTube channel. He is Chris Carter. I am Noah Hiles. And Chris, you reported to Steelers camp to report on that stuff last week. And now you'll make the trek over to the south side. A little bit of a closer drive to where <laughs> you lot. live.
1: It's a lot to- closer. I like it.
0: Yeah, I do too. And <laughs> I will be there as well as the Panthers are set to report to camp on Tuesday. That's their move-in day. Practice will start on Wednesday. That's, what we, that's when uh, us reporter folk will be there to, uh, to give you all the coverage you need. I'm coming back from Charlotte where I was last week for the ACC kickoff. Chris was holding down the fort here in Pittsburgh, like I said, helping out with our Steelers coverage. Also doing some Pit stuff here and there and we will both have boots on the ground throughout all of August while Pitt prepares for its 2023 season. Before we get into all of that, Chris, how's it going, buddy?
1: It's going great. I'm uh working on my tan out in Latrobe and then uh uh yeah, and don't worry with me doing pit, I'll still be I'll be doubling up once that happens. We'll still have uh me along with our gang out there. We'll still be doing lots of all the podcasts and stuff, but Pitt's pit camp, it's always exciting, man. We get to see we start to get to see the you know stuff getting busy. We start to see these guys putting the pads on and uh, we start getting our full, full first real sense of how are these guys going to actually look when they take the field this fall.
0: It 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 just feels like football season you know mm-hmm. like when when you see the media day stuff and when you see videos of players throughout the country you know moving either into their college dorm rooms or even in the NFL you know guys moving into their college dorm rooms in latrobe um it just it just feels like it's it's really here and it, it is and it's exciting um And while, you know, there's a lot to talk about in all levels of football, we're going to focus on Pitt because that's what we do here. We're going to get started with some huge news that occurred over the weekend. Four-star Yasin Willis, the number one player in the state of New Jersey, gave his verbal commitment to Pitt. That's Pitt's fourth four-star in its 2024 class. And he is the highest rated player in that class while he has a 5.8 player rating. He is uh, nationally rated uh, 187 overall, or the 187th best player in the class of 2024, which is Pitt's only player right now in the top 200 in the country. So Ryan wants to know, is it safe to say Yassim Willis is the best recruit Pitt has landed since the pandemic? I can't recall a high schooler who looked that talented coming out of the pan- coming to the Panthers right out of high school. Uh, before I answer this, I will say, you know, just watching his highlights, that dude does not look like a high school. I mean, there I've watched <laughs> a lot of highlights of like kids who gave their verbals to Pitt or even other, you know, high school players. I mean, this guy is, he's big, man. I mean, it just, he looks like someone Or there's a lot of pit players who, you know, are three stars and they're going to need a couple of years in the weight room and to develop. This guy looks like he could really just come in and play immediately. Um, so I did a little research because this was an intriguing question. Willis is the first pit. assuming he doesn't flip and ends up, you know, signing with Pitt, he would be the high, the first Uh, Player to be ranked inside the top 200 in the country uh, that Pitt has signed since a trio of guys in the 2021 class. Elliot Donald, and this is through Rivals rating system. Elliot Donald was a number 95 player in the country. Uh, Nakai Johnson was number 171. Naquan Brown was number uh, 186. So they all rated uh, ahead of where Willis rates at number 187 in his respective class. But those are all top 200 guys. Uh, Donald had the highest scouting grade of that group. He was a 5.9 on rivals. Those two other guys, Johnson and Brown, uh, were 5.8, which is what Willis rates in at. Uh, But if you keep going, he's the highest rated off. And again, this is assuming he does not change his mind and decommit or look somewhere else, which could happen. But if he signs with Pitt, he'll be the highest rated offensive recruit this program has seen since Michael... Michael Sal or I had it written down.
1: Salahuddin.
0: Salahuddin, yes, Michael Salahuddin. And that, I apologize for not knowing that pronunciation. That guy was playing for Pitt way before I was covering the team. I was covering mm-hmm. Mount Union at that time for my senior year of college. So, uh, yeah, but Michael Salahuddin was a, a four-star running back. He had a five-point-nine scout rating for Rivals, and he was the number one twenty-seven player in the country for his respective uh, or high school class. Um, so I guess Chris, now that I gave that information, I just kind of want you to talk about a little bit just how big it is to see Pitt get a high-end talent on offense. They already have Day Day Farmer, uh, who's a four-star, but getting a top two-hundred guy on the off offensive side of the ball—that's something that hasn't happened since 2018. That's a long time. That's that's a big thing for this program. No,
1: uh, it is a big thing. I also think it's interesting what position it happened with, right? Yeah. The running back position, which is what they've been featuring. For the past few years, I mean, Kenny Pickett, we, you know what was 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 the guy, but like at the same time, they have been making no small effort to show that when Isiah Bonaconda was in there, he was getting the football, and they were trying to run the ball. Vincent Davis before him, and Rodney Hammond's going to be that guy now. Uh, but now, I, I I'd assume if I w- if there was one offensive position. A big name for myself. I look at the way that they used Israel Abanda last year, and how they're they have a strong commitment to the run. That would excite me if I'm a four star guy like I would That would make me say, "Hey, you know what? I could go there, show that I am an extremely talented, versatile, and you know a back that can take on a lot and and run an offense, and then that could make me a good draft pick in the any NFL." And so I, I think it's part of the the work that they put in to you know highlight that position in their offense. Um, and uh, it's part of the benefit, I think, of seeing the success of Israel Abani Kanda. And if, you, if uh, Rodney Hammond has another big year this year and then Yasin Willis comes after him and you know Derek Davis, other guys there, I, I think you could start maybe a trend of maybe getting some higher graded running backs out of high school because they can look at Pitt and say, Hey, we can go there and look really good uh, with, with the, with this program and get our chance to move to the NFL. So uh, yeah, certainly a benefit. And uh, um, I think that it, it could be a situation where maybe more guys like him come in the future years, but, has to keep building on it. You can't slow down. Uh, if it does slow down with Rod, with Rodney Hammond and and the guys here, and then Yasin Willis, they, you kind of lose that that progress. But Pitt's been very good at picking up progress at other positions. I think that running back is a very uh, a, a, a pr- position they have primed to grow with as far as their recruiting process.
0: And and for those wondering, uh, Michael Sahudin, um how his career at Pitt ended up? He played three games for the Panthers and then transferred to North Carolina uh a and t where he played defensive back and was a return man so you know pit fans should hope things go a little bit better for willis uh (laughs) compared to salah salahuddin um we move forward now richard wants to know in our opinion what's the most important thing to keep an eye on at this year's training camp carter i'll let you start
1: uh phil jacovic like like, yeah what's what 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 are are we doing here you know at the same time there's a lot of things that we'll be keeping our eyes on i mean the defensive line can they can they replace all the big names that they lost to the draft last year um you know can the new safety duo be just as good or better than the than the last safety duo the offensive line can the run game still be there how do the receivers work all those things are questions but if Phil Dracovic has a great year, it sets up everyone else to kind of have it. But if he has a bad year, it could hold back everyone else if they figure their things out. We kind of saw how that happened with Keaton Slovis. I'm also intrigued here, Noah. What goes down with Christian Vayer? Because the more and more that we, that we saw practice in the spring and everything, there is excitement behind the idea that that guy's also on the team. And if Phil struggles at some point, does there become another thing where, like, people were kind of pulling for Nick Patty last year a little bit? And uh, this year you have Christian, and people are like, maybe he should be getting more looks for the pit, and that can be becoming a problem for the offense moving later.
0: Yeah. On the very note, I mean, I think that everyone that I've spoken with, you know, on and off the record, kind of acknowledges that he's super talented, but they're also of the mentality where, Hey, we brought in a talented spread quarterback from the portal last year. And uh, he probably needed a little bit more time to really learn how to run this offense. So I think that's where the hesitancy is there compared to Dracovic who can run this offense in his sleep. Um, and to, to give an answer to this question, uh I try to be a little different than you Carter for most of these answers, but it, it's really hard for this one because that is the focal point of this team. I mean, the defensive line, it's not, there's not going to be a collage. You on this defensive line, but I think that they can have some sort of um, semblance of that type of production that they've met the last couple of years, just through a deep committee. I think the safeties will figure it out. I think the offensive line is going to be strong, the running backs, but anything involving the passing game is what I'm interested in, yeah. in looking at. I want to see how Gavin Bartholomew, looks running routes and how other tight ends as well, you know, uh, Malcolm Epps um, and uh, Carter Johnson, how are they utilized in the passing game or even just utilized in in different formations? I want to see who the first receiver off the bench is, because Mm. as we've said numerous times after Mumfield, means and Reynolds, who, who's the first sub because in today's era of college football, you're not only playing three receivers a game. It just does not happen. And, and, and really any level of football for that matter. Uh, so, you know, who who is the first reserve player? Is it a freshman? Is it, a, I don't I really don't know. So that's a good question, I think, to keep an eye on. But anything involved with the passing attack. Because yeah. like Chris said, if, if this team can throw the football, it's, it's going to be able to run the ball. And it will be able to run the ball better if the passing attack is actually reliable this year. The defense will perform better if there are not three and outs because they can't complete passes on third down. So right. if the passing attack is better, the rest of this team will be better in return. So that's what I'm looking for. Aiden wants to know which pit players, if any, have a shot at earning all C L ACC preseason recognition. Where do you have the Panthers ranked in the preseason poll? I'll uh, start with this because I had a vote. Um, I'm trying to think of my ballot. I know I voted on offense. I think I had one player on each side of the ball because you only voted for a first team and there are a lot of returning guys and the position groups where Pitt has guys in contention. I put Matt Gonclaves on the mm. first team offense. Um, I consider Jake Cradle, but NC State center is a returning first team, all ACC guy. So I gave him the nod over Cradle at center. Um, and those are really the two guys that I considered for first team recognition. Gavin has promised, but Syracuse has like, a guy who might be an all-American tight end. So I had to give him the nod there. So yeah, I just have Gonclaves on my first team, all ACC preseason ballot. And then defensively, I went with uh, MJ Devonshire at corner there. Yeah. Those those were my two picks. I also had MJ as the uh, returner and I had uh, Ben Sauls as my first team kicker. So overall, I had four guys from Pitt getting first team recognition. Uh, some other players I considered. I considered Bengali Kamara, because he is the team's leading returning tackler. Um, And I think that you'll see a big year from him. But just when you look at some of the other linebackers returning, especially you know, Clemson's got some dudes returning at linebacker this year. And North Carolina has a really good guy too. And Cedric Gray, I couldn't overlook those guys. Um, But those those would be probably my guys. And then I have Pitt. I think I picked them fourth in the preseason poll. I picked uh, Florida State one, Clemson two. And I have NC State three. Because of a similar thing where I think Pitt's offense will be better. Their quarterback who transferred in, uh, Brendan Armstrong, is reuniting with his old offensive coordinator. And Pitt fans remember what that tandem did through the air with not a lot of resources at Virginia, if we're being honest. And they torched Pitt in 2021 at uh Akersher Stadium. Pitt got the win because they just happen to have the better quarterback and receiver duo uh there in that shootout. But I have a lot of expectations for NC State as well. Those are the three teams I have finishing ahead of Pitt, but I think Pitt will be a, you know, an 8-9 win team. That's where I have them finishing fourth. What about you, Carter?
1: On the all pro for, or excuse me the all, all ACC front as far as the preseason, I'm kind of with you. I think I would try to give Gavin a nod there if I was going for an offensive player, just because he has the big highlight play, and then he also has like I mean a lot of people do recognize his potential there. Um, Don Claves is, is, is kind of interesting. I you know I think he's, it's tough for the offensive line because they have guys who are experienced, they have guys who have names, but um, you know, how many of these guys are going to be, are being talked about like top picks the way kind of Carter Warren was before his injury. Cause if right. Carter Warren doesn't get injured last year, maybe he gets drafted a little bit higher because teams would have seen him a little bit more. Um, but uh, on defense, it, it, that's the, that the, you pick the one that's the most obvious MJ Devin I, I think he had, like, he's made the big plays. He has the numbers. He's. Got the athletic profile. He's a guy that if he has a big year, he could be a, a, a big a big draft pick for the Panthers. So I'm right with you. Those are those are pretty good picks right there. Uh, as far as preseason rankings in the ACC, I also have him around third or fourth. You know, uh, Florida State and Clemson are going to be are going to be tough dogs as, uh, as usual. But I wonder, does North Carolina carry on with what they did with Drake May? Uh, you know, I think there could be some 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 hang hang ups there in their offense, but I, I think Pitt's defense is going to be able to still get after people, and there's going to be some new faces, and that's going to cause some things. Uh, the one thing I've, I'll be interested to see, though. Can Florida State live up to the hype cuz there's I still wonder like if they if they'll be right. if if they I mean they are the Seminoles like they were before Clemson they were the last like super team of the super program of the ACC.
0: Yeah, they're the last they, national champion in that conference aside exactly. from Exactly. Yeah.
1: So so like I look at that and I think that okay there's there's a lot of precedent with this program being amazing even long before that. But are we hyping it up because we see big names there, and we and we're excited for Jordan Travis and, and guys like that? So, um, I I think that Pitt will be like you said they're in the range of eight to nine wins this season. Um, I think that they they're still a dangerous team. Uh, they'll be will uh, be a couple games that they'll be in, and it'll be coming down to the wire. But one thing I think the last, especially two years that Pat Narduzzi has been able to do. Uh, is that there's been when there's tough games, there's close games, these teams lock in and they find a way to win the majority of them. Uh, and that's helped build them their records. I mean, games against teams like Notre Dame, uh, excuse me, not Notre Dame, but North Carolina, uh, when they when they played with played with them, maybe not last year, but the year before and uh, the year before that, like they've been able to, to tough out those types of games. If they do that, I, I have them ranked third in the ACC.
0: Here's my official ballot. Um, by the way, these preseason rankings, they come out Wednesday, uh, the same day as camp. So just, you know, add a little bit more to our plate. Why don't you ACC? Um, mm-hmm. but I have Florida State one, Clemson two, NC State three, Pitt four, Duke five. Watch out for the Blue Devils this year. They're going mm-hmm. to be really good. I think, uh, North Carolina sixth. Here's my logic here. We've seen this before where North Carolina had a really high rated quarterback and. He put up big numbers the year before he was ready to go pro and he had a whole bunch of great receivers around him. Then all of those targets left. They did nothing to fix the defense and what's around Drake. And Drake may is head and shoulders above Sam Howell in my opinion, but I just look at North Carolina's defense and I'm like, I don't know if they're going to be any better than they were last year. And their offense doesn't have Josh downs. It doesn't have,
1: it doesn't have I, the supreme playing. They game. don't
0: have no, they brought in a couple guys from the portal, but like I don't know. I, I I think they'll be like an eight-win team. And honestly, I mean they ended the year on a four-game losing streak. So, like, mm-hmm. how great of a season did they truly have? And so, their
1: offense, their offensive line didn't they, they allowed 40 sacks last right. season. And they, it should they, have been like could...
0: 60. Drake May's just that good.
1: Right. And, but yeah. here's the thing is that eventually that catches up to you as a quarterback. Yeah. And yeah. so not, not wishing anything bad on Drake may, but just as an analyst, when I see that, I'm like, mm, I circle that. Yeah. And I wonder how this, how they'll deal with it.
0: And who's to say, like, if they start two and three of Drake May's just like, all right, well, good luck. I'm going to go be a top five pick. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the world of college football. We live in. It is. I didn't get it that is. vibe from him when I was talking to him last week. He seems like a guy who really wants to win for the Tar Heels. He has a family history with that school, obviously with his brother Luke playing basketball there, but I, I don't know. But anyway, I have the Tar Heels sixth, wake Forest seven Louisville, eight Miami, nine Syracuse, 10 uh, Boston college, 11 Georgia tech, 12 Virginia tech, 13 and Virginia, 14. That's my preseason ballot. Um, and again, that'll come out Wednesday. Oh, Aiden wants to know. Or no, that Aiden just answered. We just answered Aiden's question. My bad. So this next question comes from B. Uh, B wants to know in 2018, Jeff Capel said he wanted to play old big East and Old Big East team every year. It hasn't come to fruition. Any insight on what on why that hasn't been the attitude? Have they even tried? I'd rather see one of these matchups uh, over Duquesne. Well, first off, B, I don't know what you've been watching because they play Syracuse every year. Uh, no (laughs) in in all seriousness i don't know i mean i think jeff is pretty strategic with his non-conference scheduling which we're going to get into later in this show i think that obviously uh some of the games they have to play like a a conference challenge like a big 10 acc or a sec acc or something like that where they'll do a home and home um I like that they've been adding West Virginia. That's another old Big East foe. So, I mean, they, they're really playing their two biggest rivals from the Big East days. Like, sure, they could put a Providence or a Georgetown, but or a St. John's, who they actually have played in non-conference not long ago. Um, but, like, as for those programs, the Villanovas, the Providences, the Georgetowns, I don't think it's their priority to play Pitt.
1: Yeah, either. that's the thing. Definitely- I
0: think they're, they're kind of more concerned with playing I don't know, schools from the the SEC or Big Ten. I, I don't know. I, I don't know a ton about how you make up a schedule. All I know is I don't expect a city game to be happening anytime soon. And, uh, I mean, Pitt, still, if you want to taste the old Big East, you get to see the Backyard Brawl pretty much every year now, and you get to see the Syracuse game every year. And that's, that's pretty much what it's going to be. If I had to pick, and I'll add this to the question, Carter, for you to answer as well. If you had to pick another old Big East foe for Pitt to play, who would it be? I would go with Villanova just because I like the in-state thing there, and there's been mm-hmm. a lot of great Pitt Villanova games, both you know painful memories for fans and cool ones too. So, or UConn, UConn would be cool, but UConn's really good. So I don't know if Pitt fans would want that smoke right now.
1: Yeah, I feel like Villanova would be cool, I, I, but I, I also feel like Pitt should want some smoke, you know. Like and we'll get into it, that. I agree. Uh, like, 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 and we'll get. I don't want to you know, spoil our next question here, but you know, I, like the Big East, you know, is despite it, you know, dropping off in the football room, it's still a power. I mean, oh, Xavier yeah. beat the beat the tar out of them in, the, in, the, in the in the in the in the in the. I mean, they had the, the national champions. Yeah, they had the
0: exactly. Champion. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, like, we we're we're talking about a conference here where it's like. They, if they're playing the big east it's not a favor to the big east it's one of the, it's one of those big east programs being like oh yeah uh you'd like to play well uh we'll get back to you when we uh look at our schedule and we figure out who we want to play pitts to, despite Pitt's year last year which was a lot of fun which is a really good year for the program and a resurgence of the program it's still not going to be one of the premier programs in, in the country everyone yeah. they're still on the watch list to see okay was last year a fluke or are they actually back? And before that happens, they're, they're going to still have to go up against some of the, you know, they're still going to have a hard time scheduling, I think, some of the bigger names out there. But I also think with how young Pitt is, maybe they want some cupcakes for a little bit to do that. And we'll, let, let's get into the next question because we're kind of stuck on that. To
0: it, build off of that, I agree, Carter, that like just right now, there's a lot more to gain from Pitt playing a UConn. Then vice versa, then you call him playing pit. It's like, you don't help our strength of schedule. We help yours. Exactly. Like why? Just for nostalgia purposes. I think that's because pretty much the entire time Capel's been here, aside from like literally this year now, there's been no leverage. There's been nothing to sell really aside from, hey, we could be good like now the expectations are a little higher. I think we might see some cool matchups like that in the future. I certainly hope so. I'll, although, like I said, I, I'm not huge on the idea of going to Connecticut in December, but you know, is what it is. Cause it's cold up there. Um, Russ's final question. Uh, what are your thoughts on pit basketball's non-conference schedule? Is it weaker or stronger than last year's? I'm going to run it off real quick, Carter here. Uh, they, they scrimmage against Pitt Johnstown. Then it goes North Carolina, at and They play Bingham, Binghamton, Florida Gulf Coast University, uh, Lob City, i you got to love them. Jacksonville, great,
1: yeah.
0: uh, they're at the preseason NIT in Brooklyn of the, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. They'll be playing either Baylor, Florida, or Oregon State in two games there. Uh, Missouri at West Virginia, Canisius, South Carolina State, and Purdue-Fort Wayne. So that's four games against power six teams there. Uh, two neutral site, one home, one road. I don't know. Like it doesn't, I I don't know if I would say it's easier or harder than last year. I mean, I think that they had more power five games last year in the non-conference because they had, well, no, they, the the Atlantic 10 team, uh, they played was, uh, Wichita, or not Wichita State, VCU, but they had the opportunity, I should say, when they went to Brooklyn last year to play Arizona State on top of Michigan, so that would have been two Power 5 games, and they also played West Virginia at home, they're on the road at Vanderbilt and um, uh, Northwestern, so, Mm -hmm. but were any of those teams expected to be as good as Baylor? No. No. Or... West Virginia this year I think West Virginia has higher expectations this year than last year and even Missouri coming off of a a tournament appearance so I think their non-conference opponents are better I just kind of wish there would be a little bit more you know maybe we could have gone without South Carolina State or Purdue Fort Wayne in December and maybe we found a way to get a Big Ten school or a Big East school or a Pac-12 school just someone else I feel like it's missing one more road game or even a home game really against another power conference school. In my opinion, I think that Pitt's still in a position where last year you saw the effect that it had uh, that because of the ACC's poor performance in the non-conference, it crushed the entire league when it yeah. came to seeding in the tournament, you know, teams even having an opportunity to get in the tournament conference wins were at such a low value. Um, I probably would have liked to see Pitt put a little bit more of an emphasis on strength of schedule, but like you said, Carter, at the same time, they're young and, uh, really only having one road game against a non-conference foe and a power five team is a smart move. Granted two neutral site games, but that's a road game for everyone there. So I don't know. I, I I think it's, I think it's a pretty, I think it could be a lot harder in my opinion, but that might've been by design.
1: I mean don't forget though last year Pitt does not get into the tournament without its blowout of Northwestern correct like and it's those those games are very important because, yeah. like you said, the ACC is it's going to get dogged for how it how it plays non conference. It's going to get you know, people are going to put it down and, and and look at the numbers and they're going to do do all the calculations and the rankings and all that stuff. Well, it's
0: going to get dogged on how it performs non conference. There were a lot of big games the ACC played in last year non conference. They, they just, just lost a lot of them. them. Yeah,
1: right, and. and Pitt needs to be prepared for something like that to happen again. It might not, but you you got to kind of prepare for that. Now, I will say this: like you said, if if they can, for example, if they can go into, if they can handle their business, not drop any of the games to the to like the NCATs, the South Carolina states, those those schools. If they can handle their business, take care of those, and all the all that late limits them down to then is their two preseason nit games: Missouri and West Virginia. If they handle Missouri, that that's a former tournament team that might have some respect coming into the year. That could really help. Yeah. They need to go into West Virginia and win. Bob Huggins is gone. That program is dealing with a lot. They need to go into Morgantown and win. If they do not, it will be embarrassing for them. And I think that'll be some something that everyone's like, well, Pitt, maybe this is maybe this, is, maybe this isn't that. If they can win, if they can split in the NIT games, that that that'd be great. Um, but if they come out of their non-conference schedule with at least Handling their business versus those two two teams and getting one win in the NIT without dropping them, I think they're in a great spot. And it it puts them in a a position where even if the rest of the ACC stunk it up during non-conference, I think it still like puts them in a position like, okay well, Pitt didn't stink it up. They handled their business and they only dropped one game uh, to non-conference teams. So then it just comes down to how they'll handle conference play. If they do that, I think they put themselves in a good position, but it puts that much more emphasis on those few games where if you mess those two, three games up, you don't get redemption. Cause then you're going to have to just be elite against ACC teams. And then again, you're going to be seeing how are these young guys playing? So I'm with you. I think that they could have used one or two more, you know, bigger opponents to kind of give them more opportunities to put big wins up against big team, uh, you know, teams that might have, you know, higher, higher grades and everything, but Um, But, hey, this is the formula Jeff Capel's gone with. And uh, I do think, like I said, I think that they're setting up themselves so that they can have their ups and downs without costing themselves too many big losses while they're learning who some of their younger guys are that they've brought onto this roster.
0: Yeah, I just look at it, uh, the way I would break it down, in order for Pitt to, I think, have a successful non-conference season, um, obviously it can't lose to any of the non-powers that it's playing, even someone like florida gulf coast you just can't lose those games because a lot of them are at home too they don't really have yeah they really don't have any road trips aside from west virginia and new york those are their only two times they're playing away from the Pete. that's right. kind of crazy um i think if you can get one win over an sec school and one win over a big 12 school so if you look at it they already have a guaranteed game against one of each they play home against mizzou an sec school they play on the road at at west virginia And the three options to play in New York are Florida, Oregon State, and Baylor. Let's just say they end up playing Florida and Baylor. Beat one of those two. So essentially get one win in New York that isn't Oregon State. And you got to either beat WVU or Missouri. Because you can lose to West Virginia and Morgantown, because I still think they're going to be a good team. um, Despite, you know, all the drama, they still kept, you know, they're some, most of their big transfers. So I still think they'll be very good. Um, but I do think the West Virginia game means the most on this schedule simply because you haven't beat West Virginia in a long time. And going into Morgantown yep, and just yep. snatching that team's soul the first year that Bob Huggins isn't on that sideline, that would be crushing for them. And yep. that would be great for your program. Um, and just great for college basketball. That's, that's a good rivalry that needs to be highlighted more on the basketball side of things now that it's being very highlighted on the football side of things. So Carter, any final thoughts as we wrap it up here?
1: Just, just, just agreeing with your last point, man. Like it's been a long time since they've beaten West Virginia. And, you know, over the past few years, you could say, well, Pitt's been rebuilding while West Virginia was, you know, in, in there, you know, they they had Huggins, you know, who was well-established. They weren't rebuilding. They were kind of who they were. Well, this is your chance to get your get back. And if you miss that chance, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be embarrassing. Uh, And I think that they, they need to capitalize there. So. Uh, not I think there's there's a little bit of pressure there to make that happen, but pit has to pit basketball, you know, we're talking pit football a lot because camp starts on oh camp starts they reported they report on Tuesday, but we'll be there Wednesday. Uh but uh pit basketball still there i think they have a very cautious way they're going to have to open up this year to get these guys on the right foot and get and start with a good foundation heading into the season so that their young players when they start acc play they're feeling fresh they're feeling tested and they're ready to go against some of the more important games
0: they'll play this season it, yeah and it also just puts a lot of pressure on their conference schedule which mm-hmm. i think is something that they want i think that capable is pretty confident and you know, how his team matches up against other ACC teams this year. So if that's how he feels, then that's, you know, what you want, I guess in a non-conference schedule where you have four power five games against quality opponents and uh, you got to make the most of them. So that's all we got. Like I, like Carter and I talked about, we will be at pit camp this week. Carter will be also at Steelers camp and we have, yeah, let, let me check the numbers, about 30,000 other reporters there as well from the Post-Gazette covering every single angle of a chair that gets lifted or a ball that gets, you know, snapped before warmups or an autograph that gets signed or whatever else goes on at Latrobe throughout camp. We've got you covered for Steelers. We'll have you covered for Pitt. We'll have you covered for all things Pittsburgh sports here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. Take care.
1: Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post for just $6, click the link down in the description.